Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. The third week of our sermon series, Home, the first week we talked about love, that that is the foundation, the foundation of everything, that without love in the home, without love in the household, that there's really nothing else can stand upon, uh, the things that we want to build they're not, it's not going to stand because there's got to be a foundation of love. Last week we talked a little bit more about the family and the testimony of the family and how we are a light unto this world and the different things that we can do as a family to honor God. And I was uh, letting you know that next week we're going to have a special guest speaker. His name is Dr. Joel Dominguez. He is a, um, a licensed professional counselor. Um, he actually is firsthand, has firsthand experience in working uh, he works right now at this moment within the prison systems uh, there in California, and he is helping those people that are incarcerated, dealing with some of the issues that they have. And those are people coming from broken homes. And next week, he's going to be speaking on parenting. Amen. So I don't know about you, but how many sometimes wonder, am I even doing a good job at parenting? I think I sometimes will be like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm doing a good job or not. <laughs> And so, you know, I think it's be a great time that he's going to come speak to us on, on the subject of parenting. And um, we're excited to have him. So invite someone next week. Um, and bring somebody with you. And, and, you know, if they're having issues at home with their kids, uh, bring them. They can be encouraged and they can receive a word from God. Today we are going to be speaking on a God-honoring marriage. A God-honoring Marriage. So I don't know where your toes are at, but there may be some stepping of the toes today. Um, so please do not, if your husband or your wife is next to you, do not be elbowing each other as we speak on this. And don't say he's talking to you. Just receive it. Just receive whatever's coming. And let's let God work in our lives. Amen. None of us have can say necessarily that we got this marriage thing figured out. I, I, I am, I, we've been married going on to 19 years, and we are still learning things about each other. And God has been good. He has been good. But we can all, we can all receive um, some help in this area. So with that being said, let's pray. Let's set our, our hearts before God and just ask him to speak into our lives. Father, we come in your presence. We thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity we have to just worship your name and the opportunity we have to be here today and just to grow closer to you, God. And today, as we dig into this subject of marriage, we ask you that you, Lord, speak into our hearts and to our lives. We want to have God-honoring marriages. We want to have marriages that... Um, are fruitful marriages that are productive marriages that in some way or another um, lead people to you and most importantly that we can serve our spouses 
And we just ask you, God, today that you speak into our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5. And I ask you to open your Bibles there. We're going to read through the whole passage, the whole scripture. And then we're going to kind of break down the different scriptures that we read. But I want to get an overall feel for the, the subject today. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the, the, head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. In this same way, Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However... Each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Amen. So I want to do a little exercise before we start this. I'm going to, I'm going to ask everyone to stand up. If there's someone next to you, I just want you to kind of take, if you're by yourself, you're good. But if there's someone next to you, kind of do a little sidestep, get a little a little. Separation from each other. Amen. Oh, we can do this. This is a little exercise. All right, now, what I want you to do is where you're standing, imagine a circle around you. Amen? Can you, can you, can you see the circle? Can you imagine the circle? Amen? Now, I want you to understand as we go through these verses, as we go through this, that the only thing and the only person that you can change is the person within the circle. Okay? You cannot change your spouse. You cannot change your husband. You cannot change your wife. It doesn't matter how much you want to teach him how to be, how much you want to teach her how to be. The only person that you can directly affect, the only attitudes you can directly affect, the only uh, 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 person in your life that you can directly affect is the person inside the circle. So who's inside the circle? Just myself. Okay? So whatever it is that you've been asking God to change about your spouse... Stop and ask God to change you. Change your outlook. Check, change your perspective. Because that's the only person you can really affect. Amen? So keep that in mind as we go forward. Now you may be seated. Marriage is the foundation of all family relationships. Now, I want to stop right there. There are people here that are single. There are people here that aren't married, okay? So... 
if, if people have gone through a divorce, uh, then they can probably attest to this where uh, there was something in the marriage that could have been worked on that wasn't addressed and uh, things that they could have taken in. And they probably can give uh, some sort of advice as to why their marriage broke up. But I think they could attest to this that it was very important within the family that the marriage be strong. And for that reason, whether they got divorced or whatever happened, it, it, that there was something wrong within the marriage that the, the foundation from which the home was built was unstable. Okay? So if the marriage is unstable, all the family members are affected. And we've all seen, we've all seen what we think may be a great marriage. We may, we may have seen it in Facebook, on Facebook, right? Uh, we may have seen it on, uh, in some of our friends. Maybe in our parents we've seen it. We think that they have a great marriage. Uh, we were going to, to this uh, marriage retreat um, at a church close to by where we live, and one of the things we found out is that some people were modeling their marriages after celebrity couples. And it's crazy to think how we can look from the outside, looking in, thinking that people have this perfect marriage. And, and we see that perfect marriage in Facebook. And, and we, we see how what a great husband that person has. And what a, these awesome posts that he's always doing this for her, always doing that for her. And then a few months later, a year later, you're finding out that they are getting divorced. And it's like, what happened? Or you see a perfect celebrity couple and, and it looks like, wow, that's what happiness, what, what, how amazing it must be. They're, they're good looking people, they have money, they travel the world and then we find out they're getting divorced. We may even look at mom and dad and we think that as we're growing up that their marriage is okay. Yeah, they would fight every once in a while and then now they're alone and something happened along the way and... They're struggling to stay together. And for some, they've seen their parents divorce. So when we're talking about a God-honoring marriage, we're talking about a, a marriage that is great, a marriage that is, is perfect. I think that us as, as followers of Christ, we all have that desire to have a great marriage. We all have that desire to be a marriage uh, uh, that is a model for our children, that is a model for the people around us. We have a desire to have a wonderful marriage. None of us got married with the idea of one day this is going to fall apart. None of us went into it that way. We, all of us that are married or have been married at one time or another, we made the promise that we were going to love one another in the good and the bad, in the, whether we were rich or we were poor, through sickness, we were going to love each other till death do us part. So, as followers of Christ, we, we want to have that great marriage. We, we want to, to model a perfect marriage for others. But we struggle with our own personalities we, we struggle with our moods. We struggle with our finances. We, we struggle with difference of opinions. All kinds of things that no one told us about before we got married. We thought being married was going to be perfect. 
It was going to be easy. After all, we love each other. After all, we're young. After all, we, we're, we're a good-looking couple. After all, God has given us good jobs. After all, it's going to be great because this is the love of my life. But then something along the way happens and we're challenged in our marriages. We are challenged in our relationship. And I've got good news, okay, City Church. We are not the only people that has gone through this, (laughs) okay? You are not the only one that is going through challenges in your marriage. You are not the only one that has gone through difficulties in your marriage. This was an issue not only for us, but this was an issue even back in the early church And this is why Paul will write in his letters in Ephesians chapter 5, in Corinthians he will write, and in Galatians he will write, and he will give advice and he will give commandments about the family and marriage. Because even in the early church, there were marital problems. In fact, the Bible says, if you are married, you will have problems. How many receive that today? (laughs) If you are married, you're going to have problems. It's quite simple. In fact, Paul said, I wish none of you would get married, but be like me, just dedicated to the Lord. But those of us that are married and decide to get married, the Word of God gives us some practical advice on how to live and how to serve one another, how to love one another. And the very first uh, verse I want to really look at is verse 21 that we read. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now before Paul begins talking about marriage, he starts with these words. Submit to one another. Why? Why do we submit to one another? He says, you must submit because there should be a reverence for Christ. Now, why is this significant? Why does he use this to set up what he's about to say about marriage? Well, we got to remember, if your spouse is next to you, or if they're not next to you, think of your spouse in this moment. If your spouse is next to you, kind of look at each other. And I want you to understand, I want you to understand that that person next, sitting next to you, that person that is your spouse, your husband or your wife, that God, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, says that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Your spouse, whether you like him very much or not, whether you like her very much or not today, that person was made in the image of God. For that reason, you should love him, love her. Because they are a direct representation of God. Now, am I saying they're perfect? Of course not. None of us are perfect. But they were made in the image of God. The Bible says that when you feed the hungry, it's like you're doing it unto God. When you clothe the naked, it's like you're doing it unto God. When you care for the one that can't care for themselves, it's like you're doing it unto God. So when you despise someone that is made in the image of God, it's like you are doing it unto God. God even, Jesus even said, how can you say that you love 
God when you can't love your brother who you can see, but God, you can't see. So we got to understand that through the difficulties and the challenges and the decisions that sometimes us as husbands make or our wives sometimes make, whether we like them or not, whether we disagree with it or not, we have to understand that the words we speak, we are speaking to someone that has been created in the image of God. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So Paul uses this to set up the next, the next, the next uh, verse. So you got to submit. What does submit mean? Submit means to be. Now we think of submit. We think of uh, of uh, of rendering ourselves to that person as far as. Uh, surrendering to their authority. But submit, in the most honest, in the most uh, simple form, submit means to be less selfish and to think of that person. you got to submit. Ephesians 5.22, this is where he begins talking to marriages. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now right now there might be some husbands kind of smiling and saying, yeah, you know, this is so true. If only this would happen, our, our lives would be a lot better. If my wife would submit a little bit more. Uh, And in our time and culture, this idea of women submitting to their husbands, it kind of it goes against the idea of strong women. And if you didn't know, I took a couple of classes at Texas Women's University. And one of the classes I had to take, whether I liked it or not, was, um, I don't even remember what exactly it was called, but it was all about the women's uh, movement as far as the vote and, and their place in society. And it was very eye-opening. It was very interesting to see that perspective, see that worldview coming from a women's university. And like I said, this verse may not be very popular for women's rights uh, uh, advocates and, and this movement, but I, I want to... I I want to say that sometimes we may think that there must have been a typo. Maybe Paul was really tired that night, right, when he was writing. But it's right here. Wives should submit to their husbands in everything. That's why single women, there's not many here today, but you have to choose carefully. Because the word of God does say, submit to your husbands. But before I can expand on this, we need to read the next portion, okay? Because we can't just say, wives do this, uh, without understanding what the rest of it says. Then verse 25 says, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. 
So Paul says wives should submit to their husbands and everything. But then he says husbands are to love their wives just as Christ loved the church. How did Christ, how did Jesus love the church? He says that he gave himself up. It's funny because we were at the same retreat that I was telling you guys that we were going at a church that was pretty close to us. And they were telling the story about how there was this argument and that the husband decided to pull out the, the Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 card and said, the word of God says that you should submit to me. And then the wife said, well, the word of God says you need to die. <laughs> because that's what it's saying. That wives should love your husbands. The husbands should love their wives as Christ loved the church, giving himself up for her. Ultimately, what Jesus did for the church was to die for the church. And ultimately, what we're called to do as husbands is to give up our lives for our wives, to give up our lives for our family, to serve our family. To be there for our families. It's a time where we, we take away all the selfishness that we may have in us and put our, our interests in our wives, put our interests in our families. And see, what happens is that when we are a loving husband, that we are serving and caring for our wives, then this idea of submitting that a wife submitting is, it becomes something more of a natural response to loving leadership. Submission should be a natural response to loving leadership. When the husband loves his wife, when the husband leads his wife spiritually and in all aspects, then the wife generally will not have any issues in submitting to their leadership. But see, when the husband is not very godly, when the husband is not very loving, when the husband is not caring, when the husband does not worry about anything but himself, then there's issues. And, and I, I hate to sound like I'm just today going at the men. But... As men, our house is our responsibility. At least that's what the Word of God says. That we are the head of our household, just as Christ is the head of the church. Yes, there's issues that happen. There are situations, like I said, you draw that circle. You can't do anything about the other person. All you can do is pray that God help you. The submission of the wife to the husband does not allow the husband to be domineering or to be selfish. His command is to love, and he is responsible before God to fulfill this command. The husband must exercise authority wisely, graciously, and in the fear of God to whom he must give an account. We are saved by grace and not by works. But the Bible does tell of the day when we will stand before God and we will give account of our works. 
We will, be, we will give account of the things that we've been allowed to steward in our lives. And the most, church, the most important thing that you and I have is our families. The greatest work that you and I have is our spouse. And if you have children, your children. Because it's very sad and it's very very uh, sad when, when, when you grow older, you have children, you live your life through your children, and then one day, as I told you guys a couple weeks ago or last week, that one day our kids are not going to be with us anymore. One day they're not going to be at home anymore. And now we're going to find ourselves, mom and dad now being back to husband and wife. But what happens when we find ourselves alone once again. We're empty nesters. What happens when we look at each other and we don't even know each other anymore? What happens when now the only thing we were living for and living through was our children? Now they're gone. They're doing their own thing. They're living their own lives. They're married now. And now it's just us. But it's like two strangers in a home. Our responsibility, my responsibility before this church, before what God has called me to do, is my family. And I have no problem saying that, you know, if something's going on in my family and you guys need me, I'm sorry, my family comes first. And I would expect for you to do the same thing. Your family comes first. God is first. Then your family. Then the church. Then your work. Then you order it as you want in your priorities. But see, sometimes we have our priorities messed up. We, we have work first. We have our education first. We have our career. We, we throw everyone to the side and then family. Then God. And then we try to figure out why are things not working out? Why are things not in the right place in our lives? Could it be that our Priorities are not in the right place. When a wife is loved by her husband, as the church is loved by Christ, submission is not difficult. It's not. And verse 24 says, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. In marriage, submission is a position of giving honor and respect to the husband. And the husband... Loving their wife. So I wanted to use all that, and I'm going to give you five quick steps and five different things that we can do to help our marriages, to renew our marriages, to whatever whatever situation you are in your marriage at this moment. Maybe some of us here we're in a great place in our marriage. That's awesome. That is great. But we could still use these steps. Now, some of you, maybe your relationship with your spouse is not the best, it's not in the best place right now. You're not feeling good about the direction your marriage is going. Things are, are not going well. Well, I, I, I challenge you, start using these steps and let's see what God can do in your marriage. So, number one, you have to accept responsibility for your part. Husbands are supposed to love. That's your part, husband. Wives are supposed to submit. 
or respect their husband. Accept responsibility for your part. Things are not going well in your marriage. What have you been doing? Look inside the circle that you have around you. What have I been doing in my part? What have I been doing in my responsibility? Have I been loving my wife the way I need to love her? When was the last time I went on a date night? When is the last time I made her feel good about herself? When is the last time that I did something that was selfless for her? And wives, when was the last time that you showed respect to your husband? And I know we, we casually throw it out there sometimes and, and we, we bunch our husbands into the kids category. I have like uh, three kids at the house, my two boys and my, and my husband. Show respect for your husband. Accept responsibility for your part. Number two, Commit to doing whatever it takes. We read in Ephesians 5.31, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Understand this, that when you got married, it is no longer you, it's not two people now. Now it's one. Now you are one flesh. Now you are one entity, one being. And as you, husband, love your wife, as you love yourself, you should love your wife. You care for yourself. You feed yourself. You take care of yourself. You should do the same for your wife. And wives, when you disrespect your husbands, you're disrespecting yourself. Commit to doing Whatever it takes. What does it take? Does this mean I need to work less hours so I can be more at home? Whatever it takes. Does this mean I should disconnect from Facebook, disconnect from social media? Whatever it takes. Does this mean I should let go of certain relationships that my husband or my wife doesn't approve of? Whatever it takes. Commit to doing Whatever it takes. Number three, deal with unresolved issues. Deal with unresolved issues. There are issues in our marriages that we don't want to talk about. It's like an open wound that we just let fester. We don't give it attention. We, we, try to, we try to throw a band-aid over it, hoping that we won't see it. But there are unresolved issues in our marriages that need attention, need to be addressed, that need closure. And I know it can be ugly. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't look good. But they need to be addressed. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You got to talk to each other. Whatever that may look like, however that may feel at the moment. If an argument ensues, you have to talk through it. The question was asked who should forgive 
the person? Who should be the first one to forgive? And the reality is that when it comes to our marriage, it doesn't matter who's the person that's right, who's the person that's wrong. It comes to the most mature one saying, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's move forward. And I forgive you. We have to deal with unresolved issues. The fourth thing we need to do is we need to ask for help. Proverbs 19.20 says, Listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end you will be counted among the wise. You don't have to go through this alone, church. You look for people in your life that can help you. You have pastors. You have friends. Now, don't go to the person that you know their marriage is in shambles. You don't go to a person that is overweight to ask them for how to lose weight, right? You need to find somebody that you know, you know, that has gone through some stuff, and they're still, they're still there. And they love each other. They care for each other. And ask, how, how do you do it? I, my marriage is in so much trouble right now. I need some help. Ask for help. There is nothing wrong with asking for help. You guys, when you start a new job, and you, you get there the first day, you're a little bit nervous because uh, you're not sure what to expect. It's all new. Yeah, it might have been the same job you used to do, but now you're in a different context. Maybe it's different software. Maybe it's a different in a different field, but it's kind of the same stuff. You get there, you're nervous, and what's the first thing you're going to be doing? You're going to be asking, well, is this right? What do I do with this? How do I do? You start asking questions, right? So my, I don't understand why sometimes in our marriages we have difficult time, a difficult time adjusting. We have a difficult time with certain things that are happening in our marriages, but we don't want to ask for help. Ask for help. You're not, I promise you, you're not the only one that's lived through this. You're not. So number five, believe that God can change your marriage. You got to have faith. Oh, pastor, but you don't know. This is impossible. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what he's done. This is, this is just impossible. Jesus said that with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You got to have faith. <laughs> Yesterday, my wife and I were talking about something that, some news that came to us yesterday was a bit discouraging for us. And we were kind of just talking through some things. And, and I don't remember exactly what I said, but then my daughter was right there. She was kind of listening. And she says, well, Daddy, it's because you don't have enough faith. Like, who are you talking to? I'm the pastor. (laughs) And our our kids remind us, we have to have faith. Because we we can talk about faith all we want, but when the rubber meets the road and we have to exercise faith, and I don't care where your marriage is at right now, it may be falling apart, 
But God can do something in your marriage. God can turn it around, but you have to be committed. You have to be willing. Marriage is not easy. Marriage takes work. Marriage takes work. You got to see the goal, and you got to keep driving towards it. Reminds me, uh, a couple weeks ago, we were heading to a meeting, and those of you guys that have gone to our house, you know, uh, there's the Highway 30. You got to go over the lake to get to, to the other side to get to, to Garland and to go into Dallas. And we were heading towards Dallas. And the lake, we were driving up. We are in Rockwall. We were driving up. We see the lake. And the, we see that it is packed. We're like, oh, my goodness. We're going to be 30 minutes late, 40 minutes late. And, and, and it's just 15 minutes down the road. So we decide that, you know what, let's take a, an off, uh, uh, the ramp and we're going to go around it, beat the traffic over on this side. And we start going and guess what? Everybody had the same idea. Every back road was congested. Every back road was difficult. And we were going and we were trying to go. And then what happens? We, we kind of look back. We hadn't gone very far, but we had been already about 20 minutes trying to figure out how to go. And we look back and we see... We see that the road was now clear. So when we saw that, we said, well, let's turn around. We turn around. It took us about 10 minutes because of all the congestion that was in the back roads to get back to 30. We got on 30, and we were where we needed to be in 15 minutes. The reason I tell you this is because if you know the destination, you know where you're focused on, keep heading that Way It doesn't matter whether this off-road may look better. This might look good. You might want to take some shortcuts in your marriage. But your marriage takes hard work. And you got to keep working. One inch at a time. One step at a time. One foot before the other. You got to keep working. Don't get distracted. Don't think that if I take this route it will be better. The only thing that will keep our marriages strong is us being connected to God and us working at our marriage. Our marriages are great, not because we are good, but because we include God in them. I was reading a blog the other day, and the writer put, I hope when people look at my marriage... They don't think she has a great marriage because she chose the right guy or he has a great marriage because he chose the right woman. I hope they realize they have a great marriage because they both chose God. They both chose God. So as I've been doing every week the past couple weeks, I have a a question for you guys to ask each other on the way home. And the question is, what is one way this week that I can show you that I love you, that I respect you? I don't know if you guys have been asking these questions to each other, but it can be great conversation starters or argument starters. But I hope that they're that they're 
sparking some, uh, some discussion and, and you realizing, well, I, I didn't know that you thought that way. I didn't know that you looked at it that way. And that's the problem sometimes, that there's no communication between one or the other regarding our feelings and how we're feeling. I'm going to ask you to stand today. Father, we come before your presence at this moment. Lord, every single one of us here today, those of us that are married, and those of us that may be getting married sometime in the future, in everything that we do, we want to be honoring to you. And one of the ways in which we can be the most God-honoring is in our marriages. Your word says that this is a great mystery because this is the relationship between Christ and the body and the church. That that same relationship between you, Jesus, and the church is the same relationship between a husband and a wife. And that us as husbands, we should lay our lives down for our wives and that our wives should respect their husbands. We just ask you, Lord, that whatever situation um, our marriages may be going through at this time, whatever discouragement we may be facing, whatever difficulties we may be uh, looking at, Lord, we just ask you, God, that you lead us. Let your Holy Spirit fill our homes. Let your Holy Spirit fill our lives as we deal with unresolved issues. As we ask for help from those who can give us some help. And we just ask you, Lord, that you increase our faith in believing that you can restore our marriage and that our marriage can be a testimony to others. That our marriage can be something that is God-honoring, life-giving, productive. That is what we desire for our marriages. That's what we desire for the marriages of our children when they get married. Lord, help us be a model to them. We just thank you, Lord, for your love, and we thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we thank you because I truly believe, Lord, that we are here today in this moment because it is not too late. It doesn't matter what our family has said. It doesn't matter what our friends say. It doesn't matter what opinions people may throw out there. We are here today because it is not too late. You still want to do something in us and in our lives and in our marriages. And I just ask you, God, today that you continue working on our hearts. Lord, that you work in me, that you work in, in that person inside that circle. That's the only person that I can change and that's the only attitudes I can affect. Help me, God. I ask you to help City Church. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen.